Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Light in the Dark, an unofficial Star Wars podcast about one man's hyperspace journey through the entirety of Star Wars canon, hopefully within the span of one year. I'm your host, the guy bullseye Lompratz and his T-16 back home, Dan McGillan. First off, I'd like to start with last week's quote of the week. That was the quote, I have a bad feeling about this, from Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Do you know who said it? It was C-3PO. No one answered this week, but that's okay. This week's quote, I thought I'd do something a little bit different. And that is a quote also from Star Wars Episode Six, but a different one. It is, I have a really bad feeling about this. Do you know who says it? Drop me an email at dan at lightinthedark.com or leave a comment on the Episode Six uh, entry on the project spreadsheet and let me know, you know the name. And... Uh, if you're right, I will tell everyone you were right in the next episode. So for topics this week, um, first up, of course, I'd like to cover the project update. Uh, secondly, I'd like to just more specifically get into what actually I enjoyed this week. And for the third thing, I will be uh, playing back part two of my interview of my good friend Brian Stone Cipher. So this week was yet another banner week for me, I'm setting an even bigger record for items completed in a week. And the total for this week was actually 144 items. So that puts me currently at uh, 920 out of 795 items that I should have done so far, which puts me about 37 days ahead of goal. So in the space of the last month or so, I've gone from being about a month behind to now about a month ahead. Now, this is due to a combination of uh, comics, short stories, short-form web, short web videos, and young readers' books being highly concentrated in the part of canon that I'm currently walk, working in. Um, I started off the week in the later portion of the time period between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and I ended up covering the time period uh, also between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and then beyond that, actually getting all the way to uh, finish out the week right at the very start of The Mandalorian. So I've kind of... Uh, I, I feel really good about having covered quite a bit of ground. Um, the one thing I will note, though, is I kind of have left a... Uh, not kind of, I absolutely have left a littered graveyard of uh, novels of 100 pages or greater behind me. So uh, if you look back, I've actually got 23 different novels for tweens and older sitting in my queue right now. Um, and I didn't actually even finish one novel this week because I was so focused on the other content. Uh, obviously, I can't put it off forever. Clearly, uh, the way it's looking, though, I am going to end up finishing the project by reading a bunch of books and playing a number of video games at the very end. Um, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, with that, up, that in mind, building up a cushion now will probably be very important later in the project if I am to meet the one-year goal. Um, the other thing, uh, the question, of course, would be, so why didn't I read more? I didn't even finish one book. So I'm currently still reading the novelization of Rogue One, which I'm enjoying, but I've recently read the junior novelization of the movie. So I'm having a difficult time motivating to read the adult novelization of the same movie right afterwards, even though it is a retelling of one of my very favorite Star Wars stories. And indeed, you know, it has additional extra material. So what has had my attention? Well, for a while, it was Dr. Aphra and the Star Wars comics, and then other random comics, and then suddenly I was getting into the retellings of Episode 5, 
many of which were written for a young audience and went quickly, and then more comics and a bunch of web shorts, etc. So basically, I've just reached a point in canon where I kept just doing the next thing, whatever it was, and the next thing was always short. One particular day, actually, this last week, I blew through 73 items in one day, more than half my progress for the week, and technically more than, or nearly, three weeks worth of the goal in one day. So here's the other thing with that, though. Um, when you look at those numbers, you realize I have passed the, uh, the two-thirds mark of the project. And not only that, it's somewhat likely, um, especially when you account for things that haven't been released yet, because um, keep in mind there's a number of items that I have listed in my spreadsheet that aren't actually out yet. Um, in particular, actually, uh, I just ran through a huge section in the space between uh, Episode 6 and The Mandalorian. Excuse me, that's not correct. No, it's actually, it's actually in the space between Episode 5 and Episode 6 where this happened. Um, the reboot of all the comics uh, happened this year in 2020, and most of them, with the exception of three issues at this point, uh, actually maybe four issues by now, I think one just dropped within the last day or two, um, with, with the exception of, of those first few issues of, of the reboots, everything else that's been released comics-wise in, in that section is all stuff that is not on Marvel Unlimited yet, because, of course, the six-month lag. So I have a chunk there of, you know, 20 or so comics that just aren't out yet. And likewise, if you look back, you've got the Cassian Andor series, you've got the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series that's being worked on. Um, of course, each of those items is going to turn into multiple items once it's actually released, and we know how many episodes there are. But for the moment, they're one item, and they're not released yet. Um, you have all of the stuff uh, from before where canon currently starts uh, that's all being released. was originally going to be released this fall, and all those dates have slipped to early 2021. Um, and, and some other random uh, novels. There's a, a, also a comic version of a particular uh, Princess Leia story that was previously only available in Japanese. It's being released in, in English. So there's just things sprinkled throughout. And so there's a number of items that... I technically am including in my total number of items, which at this point stands at 1,279 items. Uh, some of that comes from things getting split up, the other things being removed or moved because they're not available in English, things like that. So as time has been going, the number has been fluctuating back and forth over time. Um, and in fact, also includes a, there's another item that, that's going to turn into a whole bunch of items, which is the uh, short story collection um, for uh, the 40th anniversary of episode 5 that's supposed to be coming out later this year. And some of these things are coming out very soon. But right now, they're not out. We can't do them. So they're in the list, but if, they're, if, if I reach a point where I have done everything, except for the things that haven't been released yet, I would consider that technically having succeeded at the project. Um, my plan at this point is truly to just keep up with it as things are released going forward. Uh, but it still it, it bears noting that there is a number of things out there that are on the list that count towards the total, that are how I'm calculating how, what needs to be done within the space of the year, and some of those things aren't actually even coming out this year necessarily. And others are coming out substantially later in the year, or, you know, like in the case of the comics, dribbling out slowly over a period of time. So, I mean, there's a lot going on there. Um, but all that to say, I'm doing pretty well on the on the total, on the list, and I'm pretty excited about the direction things are taking. I feel like um, progress is happening. Um, looking forward to continuing on with things this week. 
So what was all this uh, mystical content this week? So uh, I tried, as, as I've been doing lately, I'm trying to group these together kind of in a, in a meaningful fashion. I will note um, where previously I've been mentioning, you know, all of the retellings of uh, the, it, what would be in this episode, uh, all the retellings of episode five, all the retellings of episode six. I was doing those as their own kind of section. Um, I've actually filtered all that stuff into the other sections by the kind of material it is, just because there's just so much to cover this week. And uh, breaking it out and mentioning it all specifically by name becomes a little bit impractical. So uh, one of the items this week was a video game, uh, Yoda's Jedi Training. So it's another one of those that's very light on plot. I mean, it's literally the scene where y uh, Yoda is riding around on Luke's back and he's training to be better at the Force. Okay, so that's the story. Um, it is still available online and playable from certain websites where they've got a copy of it. The problem is is it's very broken. So it's a uh, continuous runner type game. So I if you're familiar with those, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. But if, if not, let me, let me just kind of give you a quick rundown. So the basic idea is that you have a character, they're running continually to the right. Um, you have a couple different abilities or actions you can take that will affect their ability to continue to progress. So in the case of this, you know, Luke needs to jump. He needs to be able to bounce off walls uh, to continue to climb up to get higher. Um, when he sees obstacles that need to be slashed with his lightsaber, he needs to do that instead of running into them, things like that. So you start the level, you play through to a certain point, you collect some kind of Giga, in this case they're little... Uh, rebellion symbols and you use those to upgrade some of your abilities and your capabilities so that as you are playing the same level because it really is just pretty much one level you are able to upgrade and improve your character and get farther and farther in the level to collect more of the things and eventually you finish you reach a certain goal and you finish the game or in a lot of those games they just go on forever um this one, the problem is that it has objectives that you need to complete, usually multiple of them per, per what they're calling level, and uh, it's actually not possible. When you finish a level, it doesn't actually give you credit for completing the objectives. So it's not actually possible to progress in the level beyond uh, you do collect the uh, Force emblems, and you can turn those in to upgrade your character, and through that, progress through the game. But you can't actually progress through like the levels. So... Um, I did play it for a while to see how far I could get, um, and did okay. Not great, but okay. Now there's some weirdness with how he lands from his jumps that you have to time them in a certain way, or it, it ends your run. And so, you know, it's, a lot of that was kind of frustrating, and so I probably didn't give it as much time as I would ordinarily have for a game like this. This is a style of game that I do enjoy from time to time. Um, but having said that, uh, a playthrough showing someone completing all of levels 1 through 6, which is, I believe, about half the game from everything I've read, is available on YouTube. So it, it shows you what there is. There's really no meaningful story. Yes, is it canon? Okay, technically, but, I mean, it's the, it's literally repeating something from episode 4. Hey, or, excuse me, episode 5. Hey, Luke, Luke is running around, and Yoda's riding on his back, and he's learning how to use the Force. Okay, great. So that's the video game from this week. Then there were 21 Young Readers stories, um, which get kind of confusing in some ways, because some of them actually share the same name as other ones. So 12 of them are from the book Original Trilogy Stories, so that's a book that contained, uh, in its totality, six stories each about episodes 4, 5, and 6. So t those stories from episodes 5 and 6 that I had not yet read, those 12, I finished those this week. 
Um, there's also five leveled readers. So what I mean by those are like uh, they'll have a grade level or a reading level that they're associated with, and they're specifically for kids who are learning how to read to uh, be able to read books that are specifically geared towards their level of ability. Uh, so there were five of those, um, some of which share the title of other other uh, young readers' books, but not the content, aside from they're telling the same story, but they're not uh, telling it the same words. And then we have uh, the episodes five and six Little Golden Books and the episode five and six read-along storybooks and CDs. And just like the other ones, hard to find. There's no digital version, but it's on YouTube for the uh, read-along storybook and CD. Then we have uh, the junior readers. A, there's a story from the book Forces of Destiny, Daring Adventures. It's a Leia story called The Beast of Echo Base. Uh, that's a great one. Um, there's the junior novel. Uh, there's two stories from the Forces of Destiny, the Leia Chronicles book. Um, those are both both good as well. Then we get to TV episodes. So these, um, because we're not around uh, an actual long-form series at this point in the timeline, although, as I mentioned, I've reached Mandalorian, um, these are all the short-form web content ones. So 20 of them are Galaxy of Adventures episodes, you know, so they run in a minute to a minute 30 or so. And then seven of them are Forces of Destiny episodes. Um, all of them are, are just fine. They're enjoyable. I like them as much as I like the rest of them. There is not a lot to say one way or the other. I mean, I think they're worth watching just because they're short and they're good enough. Um, and they're enjoyable. So... That's the uh, TV episodes, like I said, 27 of those. Then we get into short stories. So because I realized I was tearing through content at such a rate, um, after I had done that and kind of got to the point of The Mand Mandalorian where I realized, okay, I have to actually be able to sit down and watch these, and these are hour-long episodes, and there's eight of them, that's a little tricky. Um, doubly so, and it's going to slow me down a little bit um, this next week because in addition to watching those, Having, as you'll hear mentioned in today's interview with Brian Stoneserver, that's part two of my three-part interview with him, and also because of a text message chain back and forth between me and my friend Matt, uh, and other people who have been badgering me about it for a while, um, I am finally going to watch the uh, series that they made about the making of The Mandalorian that has all the additional information, and particularly of interest to me um, is the fact that that series gets more into Dave Filoni's background specifically. So since, uh, you know, I have such an appreciation for the things he's done for Star Wars, because so much content that now has come out has his name on it somewhere, uh, particularly things that I especially like, um, I'm super interested in seeing what, what it has to say about his perspective and where he came from. So uh, I am going to go ahead and watch that gallery series about the Mandalorian, um, even though it's not technically part of the project, uh, it's, it's time. And I, having just rewatched The Mandalorian before I watch it, I'll be fresh on some of those details, which I, of course, I watched the series as it came out, so I haven't seen most of it in eight or nine months, if not more. So it's it's time to go back to revisit that and also pick up that, uh, that documentary while I'm at it. Um, but anyway, so, so yes, so short stories. I, I realized I needed to go back and kind of try and work on those from the, the book uh, from a certain point of view. And I got to tell you, so out of the 30 short stories I read this week, 25 of them were actually from that book. And that book has 40 pieces of content, 39 of which are in canon. 
um, one of them being a one-panel cartoon. I think I mentioned that previously, um, and the one-panel cartoon is not particularly canon because it turns out, no, they did not leave a cardboard box that has a mis- the word misspelled uh, rebel base on it at Dantooine for the Empire to find. Um, although that said, that's very funny. Um, I don't, I don't think that really counts as canon. But the other, the other uh, thirty-nine things in the book are all considered canon stories, and in particular, um, thirty-eight of them take place in the uh, time frame of Episode Four, and are specifically retelling various parts of that story from those other various characters' view, viewpoint. So I didn't really get as stuck on it originally as I am now, um, having read a lot more of it at this point, I actually really appreciate a lot of things about it. Um, I think the idea is a really sound and interesting idea, just to have all these various characters that are relevant to the story, everyone from random people in the uh, cantina to basically everybody at the Battle of Yavin. Um, You've got the red droid that gets uh, purchased initially before it breaks down and uh, R2-D2 gets picked instead. Um, you know, random, uh, sand people, uh, random Jawa, like just all kinds of different characters and their own stories and how they interacted with the main story of episode four. It gives a, gives a life and a vibrancy to all of that, that I think is really great. Um, having said that, uh, some of it is definitely in uneven in quality. Um, and also a little bit repetitive. So on the one side, you've got the stories about basically everybody in the cantina, right? So covered in one story or another uh, and through their interactions with other people, you basically learn about everybody who's in the cantina during the, the events where Luke comes in with, uh, with Obi-Wan and meets with Han and, and Chewie and arranges passage out and all the other things that happen, of course, from in the movie from there. So, Having said that, like all these people have other reasons they're there. There are a lot of things going on. There's a lot of tension in the room because of all those other things that are going on. And they all kind of weave together in an interesting pattern uh, that, that's very entertaining. So I really appreciated like that selection of stories. What I'm finding now, and this is particularly in the stories that I've read so far this week, so things that have been covered next week, what I'm finding, though, is that uh, they're also covering basically everyone that participated in the Battle of Yavin. And the vast majority of the people that they're covering are people that were actually flying the mission. So I've seen the movie a couple times, you know. Um, And then, you know, I read a short story that's describing one particular character's experience. Okay, cool. And it has all the dialogue and pieces and things that are going on from, from the movie. And then I read another one that's from the viewpoint of another character in the exact same situation. And it just kind of keeps going like that. Um, <laughs> and it, it got a little old. Uh, having said that, there is a, uh, couple other delightful stories in the book that, that do sneak out. Um, and I, I, I'll cover one of them in more detail next week since I did read it just, just recently since the cutoff for this episode. Um, but in general, the whole thing is a really interesting concept. Um, the authors that they picked, come from across the uh, timeline. They are involved in all the various media. I think I've seen some comic authors in there that I recognize from the comics that I've been reading recently. Um, Obviously, a number of the various authors of uh, 
the novels. Uh, Claudia Gray specifically stands out as one I know that I've seen a number of times and really liked their previous work. So they have a story. Uh, she rather has a story in this. Um, so it's a really cool premise. And so knowing that that exists and, and it, and it was done in a fairly, uh, quality uh way with again the slight exception of possibly the stories retelling everyone's experiences the battle of yavin um i'm actually excited for the book that's coming out in i think about a month or so uh which is another from a certain point of view but it's the because the original was in honor of the 40th anniversary of the original release of the star wars episode four a new hope so this new one that will be coming out in the next month or so is in honor of the 40th anniversary of episode five so I'm expecting that it'll be more of the same. So a bunch of point of view character stories from the events of, uh, you know, episode five. So, you know, I'm sure there'll be like a salacious crumb uh, story, you know, that being one of the people in uh, Jabba's court, um, you know, there'll be a story of random, random stormtrooper attacking Hoth or whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, should be good. I'm looking forward to that. Of course, that will expand that out into from one item into like 40 items again. Adding more to the actual number of items in the project. And actually what's happened with that um, is at this point, so for for much of the project, I've been needing to do about 3.4 items a week. Um, that average actually bumped up to 3.5 finally with this last uh, few things that have been added on. So anyway, back to short stories. Um there are three Blade Squadron short stories from various magazines that were also reprinted elsewhere. There's actually a fourth one that I have not read yet that is in the time frame that I've covered. Um, easiest way to get that, though, is with a novel that I haven't read yet and haven't purchased yet, and so I will be coming back to that when I get to that point in time. And also, apparently, it takes place uh, at the same time as that novel. So, that, so reading them together will be a little bit more pleasant, I think, and a little bit more clear as to how they relate. So I, I don't, you know, I could have read it, but that's, I think, better off waiting and picking it up with the other one. Um, then there was the short stories, Last Call at the Zero Angle and Turning Point, again, which both of those were, uh, I believe, originally magazine stories. Some of them have also been reprinted in some of the Del Rey Star Wars samplers and things like that. So there are ways, in most of these cases, there's more than one way to find these, both in the original Star Wars uh, magazines that they're in, as well as reprints in the back of other books or the star the Delray samplers or all of that sort of thing so the last thing um for the week that i went through a lot of is comics so there were 62 comics this week um first there were some uh various things in the star wars adventures series star wars adventure series that's the idw comics there's a matter of perception from star wars adventures 22 a race for answers from star wars adventures 23 the story Hairbrained Heist, Heist from Star Wars Adventures Annual 2019. Uh, there's a Forces of Destiny Volume 1 comic that's another Star Wars Adventures comic by IDW. It's a Leia comic story. Uh, then, then we have the original trilogy graphic novel, both the Episode 5 and Episode 6 parts of that. And then we start getting into more of the uh, specifically Marvel stuff. So we have Target Vader issues 1 through 5, TIE Fighter issues 1 through 5, the uh, ghost ship story, well, that's actually another Star Wars Adventures one, a ghost ship from Star Wars Adventures, Destroyer Down, um, and then the uh, comic Empire Ascendant Number 1, which contains four separate comic stories, 
five different Age of Rebellion one-shot comics. So there's a Boba Fett, Jabba the Hutt, Lando Calrissian, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia version of those. They're much like the uh, Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, you know, the the Age of Empire, those the various time periods that are covered. Uh, we have Dr. Afra issues 32 through 40, plus annual number three. That's 10 issues total there. Lando, number one through five. Shattered Empire, number one through four. Star Wars 2015, that the, the series that we've been talking to up to this point, uh, issues 63 through 75, that's 13 issues right there. And then we get into the reboots. So as I think I mentioned earlier, um, they rebooted the Star Wars. Star Wars comics in 2020. So a lot of the stuff that had been published to this point, yes, there was stuff spread across other parts of the timeline, but the vast majority of the comics that have been published were falling between the episode four and episode five timeline. And they covered a lot of the events in that, uh, between episode four and episode five, the films. So what they've done with this, uh, Star Wars 2020 reboot of all those comics is, uh, started back at issue one, but it's the, so now it's the the Star Wars 2020 series, the Dr. Aphra 2020 series, um, and restarted the numbering back at one. So, and, and then they take place in the uh, episode five to episode six timeline. So we've got uh, the 2020 reboot of Star Wars, 2020 reboot of Vader, the first issue of which did finally uh, drop very recently. Um, Dr. Aphra has a 2020 version and then there's a bounty series, hunter bounty hunters series. So most of these are not available in Marvel Unlimited yet. Um, I'm excited to to continue following these uh, as they are released now, since I am actually to this point, and these are all active series that are going to be ongoing. And if they last a couple years, like all of these other series seem to have done, um, I will have a steady diet of these. You know couple comics a month being dropped on Marvel Unlimited to read. Um, and seems like a lot of the same people that were involved in the previous versions are involved in the new ones. So uh, looking forward to seeing more of those art styles and writing styles. Um, yeah, so all that to say, uh, 144 items this week. Um, and with that, uh, I think I'll transition to uh, part two of my interview with Brian Stonecipher. So I will remind you, we had been talking about uh, Star Wars Rebels and uh, the the uh, how much that resonated with my family, um, and we were just getting into how much that was resonating with Brian's family. So uh, this is, as I said, part two of three. Part three will be next week, and here we go, continuing in the story right where we left off. We took a trip to Disney, and I made a little video before we went um of just actually i made a, a dvd with pictures of our trip and stuff and the very beginning of the video has herod punching it to hyperspace and she asked chopper to send the coordinates and chopper mouths off something and says like what do you say and chopper says something under his breath and they're like that's not what he said so they punch it to hyperspace and they jump and that's the beginning of my video but our family's just like we we've each um related ourselves to one of the characters. Like I would be Kanan and my middle son, Jack is like Ezra cause he's like a mini me. So Kanan's trying to train Ezra. My oldest is like Sabine. Haley's like Sabine cause she's artistic. She does her own stuff and takes charge. 
and our youngest will and my wife would be Hera, of course because she's she's the mother of the group and Hera makes sure that everybody stays on the right path but my youngest will is just like chopper just very grumpy at times and just says stuff and every time chopper would come on we would always like well there's will and sure enough he'd say some grump something grumpy over his breath and then turn around and, and leave or whatever so those characters and storylines are so relatable you want to know what happens to them you want them to succeed and you you know what happens in the the overall star wars timeline but it's nice to be able to pull down this little thread to say okay here's a story of what happens in star wars outside of the normal timeline let's let's see what adventures they go on mm-hmm. and it, it's characters they're relatable they have flaws they they argue they fight they pull together they solve problems and it's just it it's they just do a really fantastic job with them yeah yeah the other thing that really grabbed me and i think i've talked about this before but it 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 it, it is coming back up in this rewatch um, is just how good the sound design on that show is oh, because yeah. it has all the classic, all the classic songs and, and music and whatever. But then it also has its own stuff that isn't the same, but it, it feels like star Wars music. And that was one of my biggest complaints about Clone Wars is I didn't feel like the music really fit with star Wars as a series. Like, like it certainly does in rebels. Um, and particularly like the, uh, you know the 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 kind of the the I'm gonna the, something mysterious is happening involving the Force sound, song that, that that's in oh yeah <laughs> kind of in the background or whatever yeah like yeah that's it's good stuff and it, it well just, the, it just that works. was the first Star Wars movie I took my older two to go see was we went to go see the Clone Wars movie when it was in a theater mm-hmm. and I just remember the very first when the crawl came when the when it says Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and it went under the screen, it was a little different. It's the same melody as the original Star Wars music, but it was just a little bit different. And we kind of looked at each other like, okay, that works, but it's a little off. And yeah. it's it's just off enough. And like, okay, well, this will work. And then, I mean, so we would know that when, when that would come on. It's like, okay, well, the episode of Clone Wars is on. But it just seemed a little a little different. And well, so... And that's the most Star Wars like of all the music is the music they they play in the the intro and ending of the show, right? Right. Like, yep. Like a lot of the other stuff is not even remotely that. Like this is like, hey, you're watching a Star Wars TV show now. Like that's what they're trying to tell you. But with the other stuff in the series, it just didn't seem to be quite that way. I don't know. And um, going back to your point that the older episodes are better than the uh, the more recent episodes are better than the older episodes. So at the end of season seven, towards the end of season seven, is the last five or six episodes that they crawl the intro changes and you have legitimate Star Wars music because you realize after watching it that that's the beginning of episode three. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, and like, oh, wait a second, we paused it. We're like, okay, what's going on? That's not... Why is the logo like, a different color? <laughs> and we're like, uh-oh. And then we look at you like, okay, stuff's about to happen. And I mean, we were all on the edge of our seats. We were trying, we were debating on whether to watch each episode one at a time or to wait for everything and then binge watch it all. What did you end up doing? We ended up watching each episode because at that point we we can't stay off of social media. I mean, people are going to spoil stuff. And it's one of those things that at that point we're like, okay, well, we got to talk because I would talk to my brother. We're like, okay, we watch this. We actually uh, did a, uh, we did FaceTime and actually with, we watched a couple of the episodes with him 
um, on my tablet while we were watching at the same time and stuff. And we paused it to make sure that we were in sync and all that stuff. But we watched that together and it was it was fantastic just to see the reactions to different stuff. So we're like, okay, we'd pause it. I'm like, all right, we're gonna pause in three, two, one. We'd pause it. I'm like, okay, what just happened? How amazing was that? And we'd talk about that stuff and go back and forth. And they were like, okay, well, we're gonna resume in three, two, one and try to make sure that we're together. But at one point, at one point, he was a couple, like, five seconds ahead of us. And he's like, oh, man. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm like, don't do that. And there wasn't anything that happened. He was laughing. Because he's <laughs> like, oh, I gotcha. Hmm. But, yeah, that was the, the end of that was just, uh, that was just spectacular. And I knew that they were going to redo that at some point because they had, when Clone Wars was announced that they were, that they were shutting it down to create a new Star Wars cartoon they still had the bad batch and the i think there were four episodes that they didn't finish but they had produced uh loosely to have the rough drawings and all that stuff in yeah, animation I think in there's there three three different arcs if i remember correctly there's the crystal crisis on oda pal which got remade uh wait did it i'm not sure if that, that may be the one that didn't get remade actually um and there was the bad batch arc and i want to say there was a third arc but i could be wrong I, there were only three or four episodes, and I watched them when they first came out because I had a friend that went to Celebration, and they actually showed some of those uh, mm. loosely sketched stuff. They're just like, okay, hey, this isn't this this is stuff that we left on the cutting room floor because it's not going to come out, but we just wanted you to see it. So it was one of those things that you turn your phones off, nobody's allowed to do anything. So I had a friend that went to Celebration, and he's like, to, he was telling me, he's like, okay, this is what it is. And he's like, this is, it, it was really rough, but it was a really good story and stuff like that. So that's some of those episodes they went back and remade and re-edited and finished to, and that was one of those was the Bad Batch arc to go back yeah, in there and, and do all that yeah. stuff. And and uh, as it turns out, those, those animatics and whatever did make it onto like the DVDs or something and, and were on the web at one point. And then yeah. they're not on the web anymore. Yeah, they're not on the well, web anymore. Not officially. Uh, you can find them. Uh, sometimes <laughs> with Portuguese subtitles, but they still exist on YouTube. Um and I I did watch the particularly for the for the there was the one arc I think it was the Crystal Crisis on Utapau arc um, that did not get remade so the only version of it is the really bad animatic version and I, the, I know I, I talked about that length in that episode where I'd watched them because they were the animation was hilarious some yeah. of the, some of the weird, weirdness <laughs> yeah uh, but, just, yeah it's yeah pre production is pre production. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you just you need something, to, a reference to work against, and you get your audio recorded, and then you go animate the real thing to match the audio or whatever. But yeah, uh, so I mean, I, I'm obviously so I'm assuming, given that you're plugged into this kind of stuff, you've probably heard the news that um, there is a Bad Batch series coming. Yes, we were excited about that. We were wondering if, because Dave Filoni's been working on The Mandalorian, that they, if they would come with another, that they're going to continue with some animation series. Cause that's where his background is animation. It's not real uh, live action. Mm. And I mean, and okay, Mandalorian. Wow. Um, I, I That's another one of those that, you know, as I said, my wife's not a huge Star Wars fan in general, but, but when that came out on Disney plus, like we, we were hitting that the moment it came out. And I mean, that was such an event in, in general anyway, like, so, you know, an episode of Mandalorian gets released and literally that day or the next day, I, I expect on my internet, I expect to see certain things like, you know, any major sci-fi or TV show or whatever, or the ending to, you know, uh, 
the ending to The Walking Dead or whatever. You know, <laughs> I expect to see that stuff on my internet because the internet, you know, Google knows what I'm interested in and, and knows I'm no, – they've got me pigeonholed into a particular demographic. And so they show me news stories or whatever that are relevant. And like the people I'm friends with on Facebook or what are, are going to post about it or whatever. But I mean Mandalorian was such a big deal that um, we had to watch it when they came out because it was getting spoiled on my wife's internet. Like, yep. <laughs> like she's on Facebook and it's getting spoiled for her on Facebook from her people. And she's, you know, friends with a bunch of sewing people and crafters. And that's not to say that those people aren't into the, these other things, but like the topics she's interested in and, and the kinds of things that she sees are not typically that. So for, <laughs> it, it was very much a, okay, we have to watch these when they come out between that and, and, and friends that, you know, didn't totally understand. Yes, we are watching it, but we don't always, we, we have kids. We don't always get to watch it within 24 hours of release necessarily. But uh, yeah, no, like that, that's another series. And of course that's, there's more of that coming and more of other things coming. The Obi-Wan series and supposedly there was going to be a Cassian Andor series. So I'm looking at Cassian, to that's who it was. Yeah. Yes. Yes. From your reference. Yes. So I should turn in my yes. Star Wars card because I can't remember Cassian Andor's name. You know what? Um, so I'm going to tell you something. That this I think this actually keeps Matt up at night even still, and we recorded it like a <laughs> month and a half ago. So do you, you remember we were talking about um, – uh, <laughs> I don't remember. It was, about, it was about episode four, and he was referencing the fact that uh, Leia's ship was boarded. And I'm, it was either that or referencing the, the planet where the, the base was. In either either way, he used the name of the other one for the like he called he called the the ship the Yavin or he called the planet um, Tanev four. Yeah, the Tanev. I think it was the other way around actually. But yeah, and and so yeah, he mentioned to me after we recorded when he listened back to it after it was posted. He's like, I sound like an idiot. I can't believe I can't believe I. Uh, use the wrong name for that thing. And it's like, you know, dude, I should have caught it too. And I didn't either. I just went right along with it as if that was the name of it and didn't even think for a second that you had it wrong. Oh, he says <laughs> Palpatine. So he's, he's wrong anyway. So. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, by doing this, he's going to come back on and he's going to have a 10 minute rant about why he's, his pronunciation's right. You, you know, that this is happening now, right? I know I've thrown down the gauntlet. That's all right. Uh, yeah, that's fair. This is this is nothing new for the two of you. Um, I well, I still remember the um, episode three because you told that story when we came to my house to have uh, to would go to the midnight showing for episode three, and we played the Star Wars trivia game. And I can still remember. I can't remember a lot of that night because there was so much stuff going on. But I remember the it was the trivia question that Matt couldn't remember, and I can't remember if he. I think he and I were on opposite teams. But I remember the it was the docking bay that the Millennium Falcon got pulled into in Episode Four. That if you play some of these, like the card game and stuff, it's in those cards. So if you play the game, you know that it's got these little details, just like all this new canon and stuff. It has details in there, and I I remember that from playing the card game. And I'm like, I know what it is. And I remember I remember us leaving. I'm like, I'll tell you what it is when we leave because we were getting ready to pack up and stuff. But it's those small little details. But I remember. Because he was, I think he was looking at me like I was nuts. Like it, it was never numbered. I'm like, no, it wasn't numbered in the movie, but in the when they ran through this card game, they gave it a number and stuff. But because it's Docking Bay 327, I believe. 
but it's it's mm-hmm. one of those yeah it's one of the things in the card game so we'll go look at, I'll go look it up but it's it's those small details that I remember playing that trivial pursuit game and that was just so much fun to have everybody there and play around and I forgot that you drew the short straw I actually completely forgot about this aspect of it. I remember going to see the movie with y'all, but I forgot that we actually went to your house ahead of ahead of it, and I think had dinner, and then and then went as a group. Yep. Yep. I'd forgotten about that aspect of it because I had to. Um, there was a medical emergency next door, and yes. I remember I called because I called them like, "Hey, don't don't panic it's when you see here. all the cop cars. It's not at my house. It's next door." I said, there are five or six cop cars. You can get to my house. Don't worry about it. Because I had to call my wife because she was at choir practice. I'm like, hey, they haven't left for the movie yet. Don't panic when you turn the corner and you see all these cop cars. I said, it's for the neighbor. I said, things have been taken care of or whatever, but it's not for us. So don't panic when you see the flashing lights. Yeah, yeah. But I remember calling you, trying to make sure that, because uh, I think Matt got there before you did, and I'm just like, I we got to make sure that Dan doesn't panic and think that, that, we're, sending, that we're, we're sending you on this wild goose chase, that it's not the right house. Right, right, right. Hmm. So, so wow, we've covered a lot of different ground here. Um, I know there is another thing that you have been involved with. I don't know if you are currently. Well, probably not in, in the sense currently, because no one's involved in anything much out of the house currently, but... Um, there's another Star Wars related thing I know you do, um, and I think it's pretty indicative of your of your level of fandom. Um, do you know what I'm talking about, or do you know what I'm hinting yes. around? Yes, I do, and I actually was going to bring that up later because um, we can go back into the to the Mandalorian about that too. So you're mm. talking about uh, Star Wars Indiana. Yes. So and uh, the costuming group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I the the first episode you did with Matt, I was listening to that and laughing hysterically because Matt, Matt called me, what do you say? Our Jedi and stuff. And then you talked about that. I get dressed up and, and do all these things. And I played that on loop for, for my family and they were just laughing. And I'm like, Oh, you can laugh all you want. I'm like, it's, it's real. It's happening and, and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, we actually have, so, uh, so Star Wars Indiana, for, for those that don't know, so there's the Rebel Legion, the 501st, and the Mandalorian Mercs, which we just added, I believe, last year. Um, so there's it's a volunteer costuming community. I think it started in 99, and we make screen-accurate costumes we have to go through, I think. So I have – the only costume I have right now is just a, a Clone Wars-era Jedi, and I think that had seven pages. So you come up with a costume – have, uh, make it or um, have somebody make it for you and what you send through the approval process. So I think mine mine failed the first time. I had to, there are a couple things on my belt so that it's very detail-oriented. And we go through their screen accurate and we do what are called troops and where people put a request in for an appearance and what we do for uh, most of it's for charity. So the one... Uh, one of my favorite ones is the because I'm part of a volunteer group for the Indie Disney Meet. So we had princesses there. We had I think six or seven Star Wars characters there, and that was part fun to be a volunteer and to actually troop there as well to be in pictures and stuff. And um, we've also done stuff for Make a Wish, and we actually did this year. We've actually done some quote unquote virtual troops to where we did um, it's called like past the past the patch to where you have. A patch you make a small little video to where you're you're dressed in street clothes you put the patch towards the camera you pull it back out and then 
you're actually dressed in your costume and stuff and then you pass it and then the next person goes. So it was a way to keep us together and still be able to, to and then one person would edit the video. And we've done stuff like that. There's also... Um, it's like those glow-up videos. Yeah. I've seen yeah. The, the, the other versions of that that, yeah, I didn't have, I have not encountered the Star Wars ones of that. That sounds really um, cool. I will send you a link. So it's actually pretty cool um, that we had, I'm trying to think how many people we had with ours, but they actually did it. There was a a Rebel-a-thon. So the Rebel Legion put on a, a a marathon and they showed several different people with different around the world because this is a Star Wars Indiana. It's just the, the group here that's in Indiana, but the Rebel Legion, the 501st are, are global. So we have people all literally all around the world that do stuff. So the, a lot of the Facebook feeds and stuff are people. So when somebody gets approved, they show their picture, they show where they're from and stuff. So it's actually kind of cool to be able to see different people who are enthusiastic about Star Wars go through the process and get, get uh, their costume approved. So we were actually at the premiere of Rise of Skywalker. So I did that troop. Um, I actually did one for, uh, there was a movie, the, I can't remember which movie was it, uh, which movie theater was down here, down on the south side that uh, they reopened. So they had, uh, they had us come and do, there were six or seven of us there. So that was a nighttime one, so which was really cool because we were outside, we had our lightsabers and stuff. So some of the photography, they hired a photographer to come in and it was a VIP. So um, people that had, I think they had a rewards program. So if you had purchased a rewards program, then you got to see, you got to get a thing of popcorn and they had a bunch of movies on just to, to show their reopening and stuff. Hmm. So it's really cool. But that was the one I was going to talk about that and then tie back into The Mandalorian. So along with the eight episodes of The Mandalorian, there are also the Disney, there's also the Disney Gallery for The Mandalorian. I don't know if you've seen that. I have not, but I have had multiple people tell me I need to see it. Obviously, it's not canon in the sense that it's not telling a Star Wars story. It's telling a story about Star Wars being made. Uh, but I, I still am interested in it. It just isn't technically part of the project. But yeah, um, oh, I, I, I know have been part told of the project, I, really, but... I really, really, really need to see it. I've been told that by a number of people. <laughs> So it well, is on the list. So there's, there are eight chapters of The Mandalorian, and there are also eight chapters of the Disney Gallery, and they talk about um, the cast, and this is where you'll go through, you'll learn a lot about Dave Filoni and his history with George Lucas and his history with Star Wars, and it talks about know. the cast, all the technology, the practical effects, the music, but the last episode is called Connections, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but they physically had... So in that last episode of The Mandalorian, they have all those stormtroopers that are there. Well, they only had like 30 show up on set so because they're in Southern California. So they actually put a call into the 501st that are in California and said, hey, we need some people to show up. Can you send us some stormtroopers? So there are actually 501st uh, huh. people that are actually in a Star Wars canon show with screen accurate because their costumes are good enough that they can actually yeah. do that and it yeah. looks right that's really cool yeah so and that's one of the and i've got goosebumps just because that's the type of easter eggs and the type of detail that makes this so much fun is that i mean it took me two years to get my costume fully approved to be able to troop but it's that level of detail that they want to make sure that somebody's just not going to get a halloween costume that doesn't look very good and put it on. 
Uh, plastic Darth Vader sure. cape. Does not yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I was in, in, we watched that as a family and the kids are just like, okay, this is, to, they're just looking at me the entire time because I'm on cloud nine. So I'm like, okay, that would be totally cool. Why couldn't they have, can they film somewhere in the Midwest sometime next time so we can, so they, they have equal opportunity to let some of the rest of us get in there to be in the episode. But they go through and talk about their, you can watch the, all the episodes, but that was the one I had heard that that had happened, but I didn't have official word that, that had been done. But they were just told that, hey, show, because it was just a request, hey, we need X amount of people who can show up, show up kitted, ready to go. And they had no clue what was going to be there. And they got bussed over to this location. And then they're starting to realize what's happening. Like, oh my gosh, is this actually really Star Wars that's going to happen? So, and they talk about that they know what to do, that they're, they're stormtroopers in armor and they've actually got their blasters and stuff and they know how to hold their blasters they know how to run and all these different things so it's it's really cool to 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 tie everything together okay you have real people with screen accurate costumes actually being able to be in a star wars canon media okay and double check that that's pretty cool absolutely absolutely so another thing I actually wanted to, to talk to you a little bit about um, and get some of your background on. So because uh, this is this is a, a, in an effort to differentiate you a little bit from Matt, obviously having been previously been on the program and he and he has his his own take on things, which is obviously somewhat different from some of yours. Um, I, I think it's equally important to him. He has just chosen to participate in different ways. He he's obviously with some of the stuff you're doing, you're you're going to things. I don't think he'd be caught dead at a Star Wars convention, probably, because <laughs> uh, it's just not his sort of thing. But uh, n nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that ju it's just a difference between the two of you. Um, right. The other one being that uh, I know he had concerns with the Disney purchase. Um, I, obviously, he's has some pretty positive opinions towards the recent movies that have been released, but he didn't come into that from a from a Disney fandom perspective. Whereas uh, both you and I were also fans of Disney. So it was kind of a, hey, you got your peanut butter and my chocolate kind of thing for me, at least. <laughs> yep. um, so I, I know that you have been, as well as being a longtime Star Wars fan, you're also a long a longtime Disney fan. That's also a big part of your family. Um, it, do, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, the When they bought... When they bought... Star Wars. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good because Disney knows what they're doing. They they make sure everything is lined up. Like I said before, they they make they dot the i's, they cross the t's. They're going to make sure everything is well beyond expectation. So my and then at that point, at the same time, I'm like, okay, this is going to be really great. Then I'm like, okay, what are they going to do? And then when they came out that they were going to wipe everything out and start from scratch, except for the movies, and I'm like, that was a gut punch. Like I said before, I'm like, okay, well, you just I was on cloud nine. Okay. Now you just like drilled me in 12 feet into the ground. Like, okay, now how do I climb out of this hole? Because it's a sinking hole because you just got rid of everything that I loved about star Wars. And now you're going to start over from scratch. And I, I wasn't very happy about it. And it, I, I really liked, I liked episode seven. I really liked episode seven. I didn't like episode eight as much because my favorite character is Luke and I don't how, like how they did that. Mm. And I still, I'm coming around a little bit, but it's still, uh, if somebody if somebody talks about episode eight, I kind of 
take a deep breath and just to breathe out and exhale because it's like, oh, you're you're messing with my mojo. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't portray Luke in a particularly uh, great light. Uh, so with even, episode seven, yeah, with episode seven, I'm like, okay, this is fantastic. This is great. I'm like, Ray's holding out the lightsaber. And then at the very beginning of eight, he tosses it. And I'm like, okay, what just happened? That just completely, no. So getting back to the whole, the Disney thing, they, it, so when they brought in J.J. Abrams, I'm like, okay, well, he, I thought he did a very good job with Star Trek. We'll see how he does. And there's, there's differing opinions with that, but they made sure because Kathleen Kennedy made sure that they hit on everything that they've they did a lot of fan service and uh, I've I really like how they they've gone back and tried to pull in some of the new people like my kids have seen four or five one two three four five and six but they haven't seen them in a theater so this is the first other than the Clone Wars movie this is the first feature film that they've seen and got to go see so I like what they did with that and um along the same lines I, like i've said i've been to galaxy's edge and i was so excited to be able to go because i know that they have spent the time in some of the the prelim stuff that i have seen it is way beyond any expectation that i had and i'm like okay they've they've got a they're going to nail this i have no question about that and the i i got to go last october um because my brother and his wife and my parents were going to go earlier and they didn't get a chance to because school ran late and they had to change their plans. So they went in October. So I hadn't planned to go and I ended up going. Um, we found a way to get me there and it was actually a surprise for my brother. My brother had no clue. His wife did. My parents did. And it was a spur of the moment trip and went down there and surprised him, which was, like I said, Star Wars is part of my blood and it's, it also means it's about family. And that was one of the best things is I got to go to galaxy's edge i get to go with my brother for the first time when we went and experience it with him and it was just it it was that was the culmination of having disney and star wars together is that you're able to go to a disney park where you go see mickey and minnie get to go ride uh space mountain but now i get to go see star wars with that and before they had before disney bought star wars they had star wars weekends which mm -hmm. we had gone to I think two years, two or three years, which was really cool because I've got pictures. I saw pictures of my kids with Jedi Mickey that they had on the, he was on the stage in one of the, I can't remember which part of Hollywood studios. He was on a stage. We got our pictures with that. We got our pictures with um, R2. I don't think it's M5. I'm trying to remember what it's uh, Mickey's droid, Jedi Mickey's droid. We got our pictures with him and stuff, but that was really cool. So we got to go take pictures with uh, Jango Fett and, all these other characters, they had a parade and everything. So we went down there. I mean, it was, it was super hot cause they were always in June and we'd go, but that was like a tease at that point. Cause it's like, okay, Disney knows how to do their stuff and they've got star Wars in here. It's little snippets. So actually at one, I think it was the and last of course, the ride, the ride of course also, which was has always been excellent. Star tours. Yeah. Star and tours, the, yeah. Um, I have never been on since they've redone the ride. It's because it, I used to get sick on the original one before they changed the, the mechanics of it. I have not been on a the same ride twice because there's a beginning. I think there's two middle sections and an end. And I have I usually keep a note, a journal of what we do during the day whenever we go. And I have never had the same trip 
in Star Tours, and I've probably been probably 20, 25 times through there. Yeah. And I haven't had the same one, especially when they add new stuff. Because they've added new stuff since episode seven, eight, and nine. Of course, what they started doing now is when there's a movie coming out, they lock down which scenes you get for a period of yep. time. Uh, but I, it sounds like that just hasn't coincided with your trips. So yeah, so I yeah no, I haven't had the same. It was it was close. I think I was trying to remember. I'd have to go back and look, but it was close. But I I went back and double checked, and I'm like, nope. I had I think Yoda once, and then it was maybe Akbar. I can't remember who I had, but I I usually go down and write. As soon as I get down with the ride, I'm like, okay, if they're going to change this, rotate it, because I I started writing down which theater I was in to see if they had this if because i think there are six theaters if, if the if the theater had the same if it did the same one or if it was random because they i heard that it was random and i i marked it down like the first two times and then stopped after that because i'm like okay that's way too much work to try to to do like if i was going to do what you were doing if i would write it for the whole day and see if i could recreate the same one i'd write all that stuff down but, <laughs> but i didn't get to do that but the last time we went um my my brother and I and my uncle were in the gift shop because they had a separate gift shop for all the Star Wars stuff. And they, it was early, early in the day. We got there at Rope Drop, got in there, got our stuff, and we were just walking around and um, we're looking and all of a sudden I tapped my brother on the shoulder and here's Jeremy Bullock who played Boba Fett. And we're like, okay. So we he was there for, I think, because the, they have, with the parades, they had a, a grand marshal during each of the weekends and stuff. And so he was a grand marshal that weekend. So he, he and his handler were there just looking around and stuff. And I'm like, so we answered, we went up and said we're huge fans. And my brother, that's his favorite character is Boba Fett. So I've got several pictures and some video of them talking and stuff like that. So that was really cool to be able to do that kind of stuff. Hmm. But yeah, now yeah. on a grander scheme, now they've come up with Galaxy's Edge. And it is just, it's beyond any realistic expectation that I had. So we went at, we were there before rope drop because it was, I'm trying to remember which, it was one of the opening weekends that we were there. The Rise of the Resistance was not open yet. But um, the first thing we did was we tried to go ride the Falcon. We wanted to go ride the Falcon. So we get there and it's it's wall-to-wall people going through when we're, because it's everybody's going to to Star Wars first. So we we wind around and we're not we're I'm taking a couple pictures here and there but it's not anything I'm like I'm looking for the Falcon so I probably t- have like 15 minutes of video I'm like waiting for the Falcon waiting for the Falcon and I'm like nothing because they they wind us through and stuff and as we just get and I'm like I just turned my phone off and here and because I didn't I didn't look at any of this stuff because I wasn't going to look at any of it I wanted to be fresh brand new as soon as I turned my phone off here comes the Falcon the Falcon's right there and I'm like. Oh. I, my jaw just dropped. I'm like, I got goosebumps and a little teary-eyed because I'm like, okay, this is legitimately realistic. It's to specs. I'm like, this is just fantastic. So we went into the ride and got into the ride and we got to sit in the, the cargo hold. So we got to sit at the DeJark table and got our picture on there. And literally we got called right away that it was our turn to go fly the Falcon to go to go do the ride. So we didn't get much time to sit into the we got one picture, I think, at the table, and then you got pulled in there. But at that point, then there's I, there's uh, two pilots, an engineer, and a gunner. And my brother and I, because we went with, so I think it's seat six. So the five of us got to ride. And I said, okay, all I want to do is pilot the Falcon with my brother. 
I said, that's all I want to do. That's it. So that's that's the whole trip. That's the whole reason I came along for this trip was to go fly the Falcon with my brother. So my brother and I are flying the Falcon and stuff, and we got some pictures, and it was just it, that was just so totally cool. And I remember because we're we're trying to play the game because it's a, it's an actual game that you're trying to do, and you try to right um, try to fly through stuff and try to try to there's there's plot to it, and we're like, okay, is that you? Because one person does vertical, one person does horizontal, and the 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 controls aren't the aren't the best but we were still having a ball and then my my dad's in the back i think my dad was the gunner and my dad's like do you see that i just got that and i'm like i have no clue what he got because they're you're shooting stuff they're you're focusing fighters on your own your own <laughs> yeah. thing yeah we're having a moment my dad's like i just got that and i'm like I, I i don't know but that was amazing but the the theming is is fantastic we have um, there is, there's, I think there's an A-wing and an X-wing there, a resistance A-wing and a resistance X-wing. So that, res I think it's that resistance X-wing. There is a story behind that, that if you go watch the Disney gallery for the Mandalorian, you'll find out there's a, there's a story behind it. So when you get to that, you'll understand. So that's your Easter egg for when you actually take the time out of your busy schedule in, in this project to go look, to go watch that stuff. But that's one of those things that you watch. The, you watch one of them, and you're like, okay, well, when's when's the next one? And so we watched them when they came out. Instead of you can binge watch them now because they're all out there. But it, it's really good stuff. But there's there's so much detail. There aren't any per se character interactions. So there's no meet and greets. But uh, there's Ray and Chewie that walk around. Kylo Ren walks around. There are stormtroopers that walk around. And I've seen some some uh, posts and pictures and people discussing some of the very organic kind of interactions they've had with particularly Ray, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Um, I'm actually real excited to see. I, I hope to make it down there to actually see all this stuff now that both rides are open and whatever. Um, you know, sometime uh, the hope was to go this fall, but with everything going on, we'll see if that happens or not. But uh in any case, I, I think it definitely once that hotel opens up, given that that's going to have its whole kind of LARPing storyline kind of thing going on, like you stay in the hotel and you have a two-day story kind of thing that you're working yeah. through that involves the theme park, but also stuff that happens inside the hotel, which is apparently a, a, on a cruiser up in space is, suppose, is, is how it's supposed to feel like it is where you are and all that. Um, yeah, I'll have to come back for that also as well, obviously. So there you have it. Um, that is the part two of my interview with Brian Stonecipher. Again, part three coming next week. Uh, thank you for listening to yet another really long edition of Light in the Dark. Hope you enjoyed it, and hope you're looking forward to next week's episode. I know I certainly am. <laughs>